When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 115 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Got a good show for everybody today. Uh, good conversation with Ethan Punier coming up here. But before we get to the interview, we'll go ahead and start the show the same way we do every week, and that's by jumping into the breakdown. Breakdown is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in world rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. That's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. So we're going to start the breakdown talking about some USA rugby, what's going on with them. USA rugby fell to Uruguay 34-15 to in the series finale last Saturday. That means that Uruguay has qualified for the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Now USA will play Chile in a month, or excuse me, in a match next year with the winner of that meeting claiming a spot in Pool D. The loser of that match will then play in a tournament with a whole heap of other teams for one final chance to make it to the Rugby World Cup in 2023. Uh, I'd prefer that USA just wins the next match against Chile, uh, who bounced Canada out of the Rugby World Cup for the first time ever. So it's not going to be an easy one, um, but we're, we're, that's what we're hoping for. We don't really want to roll the dice again and then have to be in a situation where you're battling out with a bunch of other teams. Just win the one in front of you. Uh, so hopefully that's the case. Moving on to the American Raptors. They defeated their old pals, the Hartford Harpooners, 29-19 in a match last Saturday. It was really good to see another team kind of come in here and push the Raptors a little bit. Um, it's tough to really learn you know, more about rugby and get better when you're bouncing teams off the turf like the Raptors have been for the most part this fall. Uh, Dayton Sherrod was another guy, played lights out again last weekend. Caleb Geiger did as well. I've heard some news about him. Keep, keep your eye out for that. I guess moving into the spring, that's some kind of exciting stuff. The next two matches on the schedule are ones that I'm really looking forward to, though. We've got Austin Outlaws coming into town this weekend. That's the Austin Gilgronies Academy side. Uh, that'll be a really good indication of where the Raptors stands as the fall season kind of begins to wind down before they get set to go to Uruguay here in a couple of weeks. Um, and then after this match, the Raptors are back at it again next Saturday against the Utah Warriors Selects, which is obviously the Utah Warriors Academy side. So, again, you have a, another good chance to kind of see where you stand because this is kind of – I think this is what I'm anticipating the speed of, of the, what the Raptors are right now. I anticipate them, you know, to be in competitive matches against academy sides. Um, and if they go out and they play really well and they end up beating these academy sides, uh, then, then that kind of raises the bar and you can kind of start looking up higher, right, and punching higher. So I'm excited to see where they stand after these next couple of weeks. Be a really good indicator. I'll be at both matches, you know, this weekend and next weekend. So if you're at the match, feel free to hit me up. I would come by and say hello. Um, it's been cool. A couple of people have taken me up on that offer these last couple of weeks. So it's been cool to chat with a few listeners and just get to know them and watch them rugby with them a little bit. So offer stands if you're around 
uh, and you want to meet up, just send me a message or send me a tweet and I'll track you down and we can hang out for a little bit. So that kind of does it for the breakdown. We'll get to move into the next segment, which is all the rugby that you can watch this weekend. Uh, we've got less than the last few weeks, but we still have quite a bit, which is awesome to see. So obviously the first one I just talked about, American Raptors versus Austin Outlaws on Saturday at 2 p.m. It's a free match at Infinity Park in the stadium. It'll be live streaming on AmericanRaptors.com. Another thing I forgot to mention in the breakdown, but uh, they, I've heard they will be giving away T-shirts at the Raptors match, so you can come get your, your first piece of American Raptors kit. They'll also be showing the first two episodes of the documentary after the match in the stadium, so make sure you get down to the stadium and check it out. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've only seen the first episode, so it'd be cool to check out the second one. And then after the match next weekend, they're showing episode three and four, so you can come watch almost half the documentary over these next couple of weeks. You just got to come to the stadium because uh, they won't be showing it online or anything like that, so make sure you switch by for that that's on saturday at 2 p.m should be done by five um and home and, and enjoying the fall saturday evening so we got some college rugby on this weekend as well we've got quinnipiac um versus brown on saturday at 9 a.m then we've got indiana versus iona on saturday at 1 p.m you can catch both of those matches on espn plus uh, and then we got lindenwood versus life women on saturday at 10 a.m and you can watch that match on flow rugby the Allianz Premier 15 is off for about a month as women's national teams assemble for test matches across the world. So USA will play Canada on November 1st and 5th at Infinity Park. Tickets are on sale for those matches now. Then they will play two more matches against Ireland in Ireland on November 12th and England in the United Kingdom on November 21st. Um, so that's kind of what's going on with the Allianz Premier 15s and some international women's stuff. So something to keep an eye on. Got Premiership Rugby rolling this weekend. We got Sail Sharks versus Harlequins on Friday at 12:45 p.m. Nice little lunchtime slate. Uh, we got Wasp versus Exeter on Saturday at 8 a.m. Worcester Warriors versus Leicester on Saturday at 8 a.m. Newcastle versus Bristol on Saturday at 8 a.m. Bath versus Saracens on Sunday at 8 a.m. and London Irish versus Glasser on Sunday at 8 a.m. as well. You can watch all of those matches on Peacock. Last but certainly not least, we've got the United Rugby Championship rolling this weekend as well. We've got Ulster vs. Lions on Friday at 12.35 p.m. Dragons vs. Stormers also play on Friday at 12.35 p.m. Zebra vs. Glasgow Warriors on Saturday at 6 a.m. Benetton vs. Ospreys on Saturday at 8 a.m. Edinburgh vs. Bowles on Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Leinster vs. Scarlets on Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Munster vs. Connacht on Saturday at 12.35 p.m. Uh, and then Cardiff Blues versus Sharks on Saturday at 12.35 p.m. as well. You can watch all of those on the newly formed URC TV. And I think that about does it for all the rugby you can watch this weekend. So make sure you're covering out some time. Watch some rugby this weekend. Um, should be some good matches. Now we'll move into the interview portion of the show. This interview is brought to you by Guard Lab. Join the mouth guard revolution with American-made mouth guards that perform, protect, and recover. Visit... Uh, GuardLab.com for more information. Sorry, I choked up a little bit there. Uh, so we'll go ahead and move into this interview I did with Ethan Pugnier. I had a very nice conversation with Ethan Pugnier, who runs the Rebel Rugby Academy and was most recently coaching the team uh, in the Premier Rugby Sevens competition. That's team, the team, last weekend in Memphis. Ethan was my former coach, so it's always good to catch up with him. We talk a lot about his vision behind this academy that he's building and 
uh, if he ever kind of thought something like the PR7s would exist. And I just really wanted to pick his brain on how everything went, what the workload looked like, and, you know, just how the whole event operated and if he had a good time. So uh, with that introduction, we'll go ahead and kick it to my conversation with my former coach, the head uh, man of the Rebel Rugby Academy, Ethan Pugnier. All right, now we welcome onto the show my former coach, uh, assistant coach for the team in PR7s, uh, man of many talents, Rebel Rugby Academy, you name it, right? Utility man, Ethan Pugne. Ethan, how's it going? Yeah, good, good. Uh, excited to be on, so appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to come chat with me, man. Really appreciate it. I've been looking for a way to, to kind of get you on the so show, so this last weekend was kind of the perfect opportunity to talk a little bit about everything that you're doing, Ethan. So first question we ask everybody, obviously, that comes on the show is just can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah, so uh, I was born and raised here in uh, Littleton, Colorado. Uh, you know, two South African parents, you know, made their way out here and started having uh, – um, you know, my brothers and, and sisters and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I went to Heritage High School, stayed close for college, went to Metro State and, uh, you know, I've kind of settled roots down here and Sarah and I are, you know, looking to get married next summer and start a family here. So didn't venture off too far. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm kind of in the same boat. That's awesome news, though. Congrats, by the way. That's exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, so can you tell us how you got into rugby? I think you kind of tipped your hand a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, you know, having parents that came over from South Africa, it's always something that we were, you know, interested in stuff like that. So I remember waking up as a, as a little kid and watching the spring box play with my dad at all hours of the morning. And so, you know, I think naturally that, you know, progressed into the interest into playing. And so, you know, when my cousin came across uh, from South Africa, when I was in first grade, he brought a rugby ball and we just passed that thing around religiously. And so from there, I was just like, Hey, you know, what, what's next and kind of got into playing that way. And, um, you know, played all the way through, through youth and high school. Yeah. So then how'd you get into coaching? You picked it up pretty early. Obviously I remember you taking us on a couple of trips. Those are some of the, the funnest summers I can remember to be quite honest. Um, but I, I don't remember you being very much older than me, like on some of yeah. those trips. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, graduating heritage in 2010, I had a pretty severe knee injury, um, that kept me out for about 18 months. And so, you know, during that period of time, Hey Zeus came back and he was like, Hey, we're going to restart the Littleton program. We want you on. I'm like, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know what the time commitment looks like. And he's like, okay, just come to one practice. Um, and so I showed up at that first practice that Cody Murphy talks about, yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's like 45 guys, all athletes there. And I'm like, Oh shit, this might be the real deal. <laughs> um, you know, I'm in. And then was just, would just hook from there. And so that's where it all started. I know I, I do. I try to mention it on the, on the Cody Melfi podcast uh, that he did with us. I didn't articulate it very well, but what I was trying to say is like, it's funny looking back on a lot of the guys like from the Denver area, right? Like anybody roughly our age that's involved in rugby in the Denver area, like you can kind of trace it back to Jesus. And that's what I was trying to say. And I went back and listened to that on the Melfi podcast. And I was like, I did not say that right at all. So I wanted to make sure I got that on there because that is funny. Like, I feel like that's what he would do, right? You just like just come give it a try, and then from there you're in. And yeah, right. Weekend. Yeah, it was always it's about just just coming once, and then yeah. you know he'd never let you leave. And I guess we were all kind of that way in a in a in, in a, a way. Sense. Yeah, we it's all come back roundabout. So, yeah. uh, so you start coaching, you know, with Littleton. Can you take us through your career a little bit because you have moved up pretty quickly and you've done a lot of different things and you got a lot, your hands in a lot of different cool projects now as well. Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, what was that was 2011 started at Littleton um, ended ended up coaching there, um, you know, pretty solid for about four years. And that's when I was uh, chatting with Glendale and Andre Snyman and him bringing me on to kind of do that mentorship coaching role with him. 
So I've gone from Littleton to Glendale. Um, after the Littleton days, I started up the Arapaho High School varsity program where, you know, we went one and 10 our first year, 10 and one our second year, one state, um, and then kind of moved on to really focus on, you know, growing the, the Rebels, right? So that started in 2015 as the Rocky Mountain Rebels. And we traveled for, you know, three years that way. And it was always just Colorado kids. And we kind of pick up a straggler from New Mexico or Kansas mm-hmm. or whatever we needed. Um, and so when I stepped away from Arapaho, I kind of had this bigger vision of what I wanted to do with the academy. And that's when, you know, the NHS 7 series for high school popped up. Um, and then we kind of went through that rebrand and, and rebranded as Rebel Rugby Academy. We set up hubs in Dallas at the time. Um, last year, we set up a hub in Des Moines um, and really kind of just focusing on that, that central U.S. market on developing, you know, these high performance pathways, kids um, and just giving them an extra outlet to compete. So, um, you know, once that kind of sparked up, it allowed me to have some opportunities within USA Rugby. So uh, Steve Lewis and Josh Macy picked me up for Collegiate All-Americans, which I did for Rugby Town for uh, four years and then uh, JD Stevenson gave me a shot with the high school Americans where we went up to uh, Canada for the Can-Ams and uh, ended up winning that thing so very nice. kind of just moved on from there and then I guess that progressed into what I'm doing now so yeah uh, what I, I know you kind of mentioned a little bit but I think that's something that's worth talking about is like focusing on the middle of the country right because I feel like when you say you set up a hub in Des Moines do you get a lot of people looking at you like what do you, why are you setting up a hub in Des Moines? Like, do you get people right. looking at I, you? I get like, that question a lot. A little bit, but I think it's important. And because even like rugby and even just like, if you look at anything, media, anything like that, it's like super coast heavy, right? Like you got a lot of rugby in California, you got a lot of rugby on the East coast down in Texas, but like, you're right. This, this middle part of the country gets overlooked a little bit. Yeah. I think just, you know, you look at the the athletes that are in those areas, right. And they're, you know, they're big, strong kids that are focused, they're plight and uh, you know, they're dedicated and committed. So I think that's, you know, the one thing that we saw when we took our first trip out to Iowa is, you know, like five or six of these kids on one of the tryouts were like six, two, but they're like, Oh yeah, I play fly half and, and they have, you know, the skills <laughs> to do so. And so, you know, you're able to take that and put it into, you know, something yeah. else where you're, you know, building rosters was, was crucial for us. So I think, uh, you know, at least when I look at Iowa and some other place in the central U.S., it's a completely untapped resource that's going to be big. Yeah. So I guess, can you talk a little bit more about the, the Rebel Rugby Academy, just like how things are going since you, you you know, you've set up these different play, these hubs in these different cities now? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, over the last six years, we've kind of evolved to just having, you know, an A side and a B side, you know, roughly about 22 to 25 kids in Colorado going from training every day to you know, a shifted model where we're going to run ID camps in our cities, we're going to run some off-season workouts, and then we're going to provide them an online educational component, uh, as well as the S&C, and then we'll prep them for when we show up to these tours. So, you know, we'll go to Tropical Sevens, Bloodfest, yeah. um, you know, NAIs in Salt Lake, and it's it's pretty much everything we do is on-site there now. Um, and so it's kind of evolved what we used to do. And so, um, you know, the, the outreach is bigger, the demand is bigger. Um, you know, we've gone to having anywhere from, you know, two to seven teams, you know, at certain tournaments over the last couple of years. And so, yeah, really just trying to fill that role to give kids the opportunity to showcase them in front of the, you know, the path pathways directors and stuff like that, right. get them shots for, for all Americans, which is, you know, what they need and what they're looking for. And then filling the space in between their, their 15 season. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. And that sounds, you know, it's, they need something like this. I was just talking to somebody today, like, you need to be playing like on these different circuits and playing in these bigger tournaments if you your goal is to really get better and progress up through the ranks. You know, like you need to be playing where people can see you, not necessarily, 
you know, just playing on the weekend or, you know, practicing a couple of times a week and, and all that stuff. So there's a need for it. I think it's a good idea. And, I, I you know, one of these times we've talked about it a little bit, but I got to get on tour with you guys and, and see it up close and personal. Yeah, 2022 will make it happen. <laughs> Let's do it, yes. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about the Premier Rugby Sevens obviously took place last weekend. You were assistant coach on Team the Team. Uh, so how did that opportunity to, uh, to help out with the team come about? Yeah, so this past uh, July at uh, the NAI Sevens, we had Tui Osborne come out from St. Bonaventure and um, kind of set up shop within our camp as well, just so he could get an inside view of, of what we're doing and, and meet yeah. some of the guys. And so um, I think his insight into the way that I've operated and, and handled the week-to-week tours and stuff like that, I think piqued his interest. And um, so he kind of mentioned it at that time, like, hey, this might be a thing. Um, you know, are you interested? And, you know, of course I said yes. And you know, he gave me a call about three weeks before the actual competition. He's like, Hey, you know, you're in Tolkien approved you, um, you know, let's, let's do this. And then we kind of just, you know, hit the ground running. Cool. So what, I guess, what did your like workload look like in those three weeks? And yeah, so obviously we had to do a lot of converting of, you know, terminology that he uses, what I use, you know, and then you take in what Danny Barrett's using in, in exactly. Chulavista and, and yeah. his knowledge. So we kind of figured out a hybrid of the three, um, you know, we went through, created a playbook, kind of a general framework of culture that we wanted to put in. You know, we did a SWOT analysis with with our guys on, you know, what we we're going to be competing against, you know, what our strengths were and, um, you know, did a couple Zoom calls in the lead up. So it wasn't a terrible amount of work leading up to it. But, you know, as you know, when you get to these things, you know, the seven day lead up and once you're on site, it's, you know, 16, 17 hour days, right. full time environment. For sure. Uh, How do you enjoy the tournament? What do you think of everything? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Right. So it's my first time in Memphis. And so, you know, when I look to travel, you look at the city first and, yeah, yeah. you know, things to do in between. And so it, it was cool experiencing that, right. Big culture around, you know, the civil rights movement, um, you know, food, music. So it's, it's hard to beat that. So really enjoyed that. Um, you know, and then you, you kind of shift and look at the rosters, right. And the competition that you're dealing with, all the rosters were stacked. Um, yeah. You know, the competition was fantastic you know, really having it catered around athletes from North America on both the men's and women's sides was, was interesting to see, right. Cause most of these guys, you know, cross borders only play against each other. So um, I thought that was a nice component to have, um, you know, most of the coaches that were in are, are kind of that new younger generation. That's, you know, they're done playing. They've been out of the game for five, 10 years, they're coaching, they're coaching at a high level. So it was, it was nice to see that dynamic kind of shifting as well. Yeah, and it seemed like it had a lot of good momentum moving into it. Like a lot of people are excited about. It. There's a lot of good press. Um, it just seemed cool. Like all this stuff leading up to it with the you know the different captains around the city. Like you said, did a good job of really like incorporating Memphis into everything. I think that's pretty neat. All that stuff was awesome. Uh, and like you said, star-studded roster. So what was it like working with some of those guys on the team? You already mentioned Danny Barrett. I'm sure you had from some familiarity with, with big Johnny Ryberg from the Colorado days. So what was it like working with, with the team? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good. So, you know, obviously we had a little bit of a bigger build and so we knew that that was something that we were going to, um, you know, kind of take ownership on throughout the course of the week. So, you know, Ryberg and Barrett were nicknamed the bash brothers yeah, and you take, love that. you know, Christian Rodriguez, who's, who's a joker in, in his own right, you know, joking around, well, you know, they, I should be the third bash brother. And, you know, so they started calling him Kenny Wu, which ended up being, um, you know, being solid, but yeah, I had some, some good familiarity with the guys. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that helped this year was just being able to watch rugby town and not, not coaching in it. And yeah. so kind of figuring out the team that we wanted and, and stuff like that, but you know, all the guys are great. Most of them are in a professional environment, whether it's in the MLR, you know, the sevens residency stuff, um, or they just were drafted because we had some, some really young bucks on the team as well. So, 
you know, they were, they were a blast to work with, um, you know, eager to learn, um, you know, it's, it's nice having Danny lead from the front and, you know, that physical presence. So um, I think the guys really rose to that challenge throughout over the course of the week. Yeah, it's awesome. Dan, it seems like Danny would be like kind of the, if you had to pick, you know, out of a lineup, he's probably one of those guys that you just want, you know, on your team leading from the front, like you just said. Yeah. Uh, so I guess with this competition, had you ever like imagined a competition like this taking shape? Like obviously, you know, you've been involved with rugby a long time. Like, did you ever picture something like this taking shape? You know, I, th I thought it would, I didn't know if it was ever going to happen, you know, during, you know, my time coaching in the game or anything like mm -hmm. that. And, you know, I'd had discussions with, you know, Cody and Curtis and some of those guys that were, yeah. you know, part of the Littleton crew about, you know, we always thought that there was going to be something bigger in the game. We didn't really know what it was, but we always, you know, spoke about like, Hey, like what if, you know, there was a professional league that was able to kind of sift through and, um, you know, pick out the talent and filter them up. So I guess, you know, way back in the day, it might've just been a little, you know, <laughs> yeah. had a few conversation over a couple about, beers. Yeah, it definitely exactly. evolved. Yeah. I think, and I think it's been, it's an interesting time for everything too, right? Like sevens is you've heard this many times before. I'm sure you were on kind of the same page. Like sevens is more tailor made for the American, you know, viewer, right? Like it's super fast. The athletes we have here can cross over to sevens a lot easier. People just really seem to like it. We see like the the circuit format works on an international scale, you know, on an international level. Um, but there's even like some of these other things popping up, right? Like the Premier Lacrosse League. I've I've listened to podcasts where they, you know, Paul Rabel has talked about they have ripped their model from like the HSBC Seven circuit. Like they, mm -hmm. you know, just a domestic lacrosse competition. They play, you know, in different cities around, and it's worked for them. Like they've kind of put in the other lacrosse leagues out of business. So. Uh, I'm interested to see like how this goes because I do think it has legs and the first weekend looked awesome. Uh, so I'm excited to see where it goes next. And I guess that kind of leads into my next question is like, do you know what's happening next or are you just kind of waiting and seeing until uh, they, they give you the call again? Yeah, exactly. So I, I guess a little bit of both. Right. So, um, you know, obviously they're going to debrief from from this tournament, kind of look at, you know, the pros and cons, what worked, what didn't work yeah. and then moving forward. But it, it sounds like um, you know, 2022 is, is looking extremely solid, right? Their overall goal is to have three events. You know, they're not sure what time frame looks like that. They don't know yeah. essentially what rosters look like that. Just like you mentioned in the uh, premier lacrosse league, right? They're hoping to kind of boost up each roster to where they can kind of pick a 12 for any point in time to travel. Mm -hmm. And that way, if guys are getting plucked out for, uh, you know, world cup sevens next summer, or if they have, you know, MLR stuff coming up that we can always have a solid competition going. So right. Um, I think that that model is, is sustainable. It's just, you know, a matter of, of picking dates and, and how to get, you know, the right people involved. Um, you know, I think one thing that speaks to the credibility, um, you know, at least that I have knowledge on is, is the media deal, right? Having a media partner that oh. can broadcast it is, is something that's going to create viewership and eyeballs back to, uh, you know, the game, your social medias, exactly. everything that's going to start driving revenue to help make it sustainable. So, I think they've done a lot of those things and done yeah. the heavy lifting early, which will, will help. Yeah. The media deal deals huge. It's almost everything, right? Like that's how you eventually get it to a point where, you know, you're, you're getting bid on for all this, like the rights to, to broadcast your competition are getting bid on. And I think another thing that's interesting too, is like, they haven't, you know, they haven't locked themselves into something where they have to play, you know, 16 weeks, right? Like they have the ability to do this one-off competition this year, like you said, take a step back, go through what worked, go through what didn't, make the appropriate changes, and then get ready for the next round, right? Like, I think that's a good idea too, because then you're not just locked into like, well, damn, we have to play 16 weeks, and if something's not going right, like, sorry, you just got to tough it out. 
So this is kind of, that's kind of an interesting approach to everything as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So, uh, I guess kind of the next thing I have for you is just, you know, what's, what's coming up for you now? You just, you just finished up the PR sevens thing. Uh, what's next on the calendar for you? Yeah. So been speaking with Brendan Keen and Mike Tolkien a little bit, you know, they're starting ARCs prep tomorrow in Glendale. So hopefully, uh, getting out for that to kind of do a little bit of, um, you know, analysis and stuff like that and kind of see, you know, if I can test, you know, my coaching on the 15 side of the game, which yeah. I was kind of separated with for a little bit, but you know, during COVID and not having anything, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, I may as well start trying to advance on that right. side. So, um, looking like that's, that's coming up. Um, we have tons of stuff coming up for the rebels. We're doing our winter ID cam. So we'll have one in, in Denver, Dallas, Des Moines before the end of the year. Um, you know, we're going to expand our, our weekly training groups in, in those cities as well, and really try to get, you know, 20, 30 kids, 40 kids practicing in each and, um, you know, getting back up to speed on that. But, um, other than that, you know, this, this is kind of, you know, the sevens off season, right? So, yeah. um, a lot of planning, I'm sure a lot, a lot of planning, a lot of logistics, you know, getting the right people involved, um, you know, considering a, an offer to go coach in, uh, Dubai for the, uh, the sevens out there with the, the Celtic barbarians. That'd so, be awesome. um, yeah, just trying to see if I can fit it in with, you know, with the day-to-day job, <laughs> yes, right. You know, seriously. um, you know, as kind of coaching's always been the side business for me, whereas, as you know, real estate's, you know, the, the money maker and keeps the lights <laughs> yeah. on at home. So, um, that's a, that's a hot market yeah. as always. Um, yeah. You brought something up I wanted to ask you about. So how did you kind of pick the sevens route? like to, to get in, you know, the, take the coaching more seriously, I guess, because yeah, I feel like you have just been like a primarily a sevens guy for most of the time I've known you. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, obviously before you get to high school, you know, in youth, you're really only playing seven. So I think it kind of the, the, the initial passion started there. And then when I got to 15s, you know, just being a scrum half and just being a facilitator, you kind of lose out on, on the creativity of the game. And so that's always something that when summer came around, it was, it was nice, right? Because you get to play sevens, you don't have school. You get to hang out with your buddies. You can go to the pool all day, mm-hmm. go play rugby, you know, chase girls in the afternoon. So yeah. um, to me, it was always a funner season. And then, you know, when I got into coaching, you know, there, there's always these tournaments, right? So I'm like, well, you know, we got all this talent here in Colorado. Like, let's go to this tournament. And that's yeah. how we got you looped in, right? We're like, you know, looking at other teams <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. East and Glendale. And we're like, well, you know, we got to get these guys on board. because yeah. we, we don't want to go there and lose. We want to go there and put 50 on everybody. So right. that's kind of where that shifted. And then, um, you know, the opportunities that I got at a higher level, you know, collegiate All-Americans, high school All-Americans happened on the seventh side of the ball. So um, I really kind of just shifted that focus and studied that game and then was able to do a couple of the, um, you know, the, the, the guest coaching trips to Chula Vista. And, you know, at that time, you know, Anthony Raquez was there. So learning his defensive styles and structures mm-hmm. and then chatting with Mike Friday really helped boost my knowledge as a coach. And so, you know, that's kind of where that five-year gap happened where it was just sevens, you know, which, which which was great. And, um, so kind of evolving back, right. Like, you know, during COVID you're able to do a lot of self-reflecting on, on your coaching and and what the big picture might look like, you know, as you evolve throughout your career. And so that's where I was like, okay, you know, maybe I should coach some, some, some 15s. And so, um, you know, Anthony Matticchione pulled me into Regis this last year and was like, Hey, you know, we need, we need some help. We got, we got plenty of studs, you know, we're thin on the coaching staff. And so, um, you know, Curtis Warner and I hopped in on there and helped them awesome. win a state title. And we're going to do that again this year. We both committed to one more year before we're probably both going to be moving on in different directions. But um, yeah, that's how that all happened. That's awesome, man. That is so true too with the whole COVID thing. Like you really, I really did find myself like 
looking back on stuff and just kind of, I think everybody's in the same boat. Like, how can I get better at whatever I'm trying to do? You know, like, how can I take the next step? Like, who can I call? And that was when everybody did have some time. You can pick a lot of different people's brains and, and really, you know, you could have done either, you know, gone two ways. You could have done nothing or you could have tried to, you know, do something a little bit better. So. Right. And that's the thing, like with, with COVID, you know, in rugby, everything went online, right? So it's yeah. not like, you know, our competition structure died, but the collaboration between coaches and, yeah. and, and progressing the knowledge base and education base was a game changer. So I'm sitting through all these coaching education things and high performance webinars with USA rugby and half of them are 15s. I'm like, well, you know, when am I ever <laughs> going to get to test this? And so sooner or later, I was like, all right, you know, yeah, let's, let's do it. I got time yeah. to kill. I'm in. That's cool. All right, Ethan, I got a couple more for you before I uh, let you go. Yeah. So uh, you're, obviously, you're obviously building an empire out there, right, with Rebel Rugby Academy. So who are a couple of guys we should be keeping our eye on that are moving up through the ranks? Yeah, so a, a couple of kids from from last season, which which we'll start with, um, you know, Abe Kamara, he was a, a four-time Rebel. He's at Dartmouth now, absolutely having a big year. Uh, Keelan O'Connell, who, who actually came in from, from California into our system, um, he's at Cal. He had his sevens debut this past weekend and, and was just, you know, absolutely on fire. Uh, Porter Goodrum, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina kid. He came into the, the system as well. Um, you know, keep an eye on him for sure. And then kind of shifting over to the younger guys, we have, you know, a, a couple, right. Uh, Gavin Olson's a U16 from, um, from Iowa. Just the skills that this guy has at his age are, are legit. Um, Arno Agassi, he's a, he's a local Monarch kid, um, oh, cool. French, I think he moved over here about <laughs> seven or eight years ago, but so. yeah, he just has that X factor to his game and he's got the chippiness, which, you know, I was, I was that player. So I, I like yeah, watching yeah. that. Um, and then Finlay Mitchell's another Charlotte kid who kind of came into the mix with us. He's, he's really shown some potential. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, every year it's kind of that rethink. We gotta, we gotta find, you know, another 25, yeah. 30 kids to bring into the program, showcase them and then move them on. So, exactly. um, you know, ask me that question here in, you know, December, January, uh, and we'll, we'll have, have more a couple on more list. names for you. Okay. I love it. I like yeah. keeping my, I try to, you know, with my best, the best I can try to see who's coming up. So thanks for that. Right. Well, uh, it's you, interesting when you see them at 20 or, or 19 showing up in rugby town, right. Exactly. And that's when you see, okay, this kid might've been the real deal in high school because he can play at this level. Exactly. Now. Yeah. And that's kind of honestly, like, that's where like the big one, that's when people catch your eye as you're, you're well aware, you know, that's how, yeah. I mean, you look at the, the last squad, Mike, or the last camp Mike Friday put together, like how many of those guys came from rugby town right like that was their kind of coming out party they had like 9 10 11 guys go to the camp fresh off that tournament so right uh last one i want to ask you Ethan. i haven't had a you know a true rugby person on in a while what's your favorite rugby memory man favorite rugby memory i i'd probably say at this point in time um you know one of them at least on the 15 side is is the rapo high school state championship that uh we won in 2017 you know, that was kind of a two-year project with, you know, a bunch of us having our exit from Littleton at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, that was something that was, was definitely special to me and, you know, showing that, you know, all the hard work paid off. So that was, that was yeah. big. Um, and then for sevens, um, you know, I think winning, you know, the Can-Ams, you know, against the other U.S.-based team um, was, was a great memory there. So, you know, always nice going up to Canada and keeping <laughs> their two teams out of the final yeah. and our two teams in it and yeah. us winning handily. That is, that's always a plus. I love to hear it. Uh, I think that's all the questions I have for you, Ethan. I usually leave this last piece open if you wanted to, to get, add anything else that you think I missed, feel free. No, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, everything that you're doing for the game. It's kind of fun, you know, watching you, right? Because yeah. when I first met you, you were just this skinny kid at Glendale uh, yeah, first year rugby. 
didn't know anything. had all the skills right <laughs> and so it's, it's been fun to kind of watch you know you playing for another team and then us being able to bring you into the yeah. you know the dark side and what we're doing and then <laughs> you know, watching you evolve throughout your career. So definitely kudos to you and, yeah. and what you're doing. It's been fun to watch. So I really um, do appreciate it, man. It's like you said, it all, you, you show up to one practice and here we are 10 years later, right. <laughs> we're still involved somehow. So exactly. really appreciate the well, time. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully that doesn't change. Right. I, I like kind of the younger shift of the gener, you know, our generation yeah. really coming into rugby and, you know, making a stand on, on where, where we think the game should go and the footprint that we want to leave in the U S. And I think that's something that's big. And, you know, the, the culture of rugby was, was old for a long time and now it's shifting to be young. And, and right. I think that, you know, some of the next five to 10 years are going to even be more exciting for, um, you know, guys like you and me and Cody and, yeah. and all that stuff. For sure. You need it. That's how things keep going. And, and you kind of mentioned something earlier in the, in the, you know, in our conversation where you saying like, yeah, I kind of always thought that something like this PR sevens would happen, but I thought, you know, it would be like after I'm done or after I'm not involved anymore. And like, so much of what's happened in the last five, six, seven years have, has been that for me too. Like, oh yeah, I think this could be something or, you know, I'll do this for now and we'll see where it goes. But I think like the stuff that everybody that is doing right now is so important and, and I can't wait to see what it looks like in five more years. And then five more years after that, like to see where everything is and how, how much bigger it is in America too. So it's been a lot of that. And that's another, you know, thing at COVID. I just like would really sit back and think like, you know, what's this going to look like in five years? Like how important is this work going to be, you know, down the road and hopefully somebody else, like somebody listening to this show wants, you know, they want to make a rugby podcast and they start doing it and then they're doing it long after me, you know? So I, I think from a whole different a bunch of different angles, right? Like I've thought about that too. So I was glad you mentioned that. Yeah, no, definitely. It'll, uh, it'll keep getting better and better. Yeah. You know, the game's in good hands. Yeah. It's a fun time to be involved too, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it all goes. So, Again, thanks so much, Ethan. It was fun chatting with you, man. I really appreciate the time. Uh, take care. Yeah, thanks, boss. We'll talk soon. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Ethan Punier. I really appreciate Ethan taking some time out of his busy schedule to chat with me. Uh, he really is a busy man, and I know he's got a lot going on. So I appreciate him carving out a couple of minutes. Come chat. I thought it was a really good conversation. I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I did. Go ahead and move to the next piece of the show. That's required reading. This week's required reading is called Not a Lot to be Thankful for Right Now for Canadian Rugby Fans by Brian Kelly. Uh, it's published on the Rugby Network. Good piece that details the struggles that Canada has been dealing with over this last decade. Brian Kelly was a communications and media relations manager for Canada for like seven years. So he's had a front row seat to all of this stuff that's kind of been going down over these last 10 years. Um, and, and them not qualifying for the 2023 Rugby World Cup is kind of the culmination of it all. So it was a pretty interesting look into everything going on and how he's feeling about it and how he's kind of dealing with it. So I will link that article in the article that houses this podcast and it'll also be in the description as well. So if you're interested, make sure you go ahead and seek that out. That does it for required reading. So hopefully you go check that and you enjoy it. Go ahead and close the show with the loop. You can keep up with everything we've got going on at DNVR Rugby by following on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby at Colton Strickler. Um, I should have some big, exciting news to announce here in the next week or two, so make sure you stay in tune for that. But other than that, that's my show. Thank you for listening. Hope you all had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend, and I will catch you all back here next week.